how is it being a mom and an entrepreneur at the same time? Oh, that's a hard question. I think um, like speaking for myself, because I know like every mom that's an entrepreneur feels this way. But speaking for myself, it's being an entrepreneur and a mom is probably one of the hardest things I've had to do. It's um, it's a challenge. Yeah. What are some things that, for example, let's say there's some women out there that might not be moms. What are some things that maybe not challenges because having uh, uh, kids is, is a blessing, right? Yeah. But something that, you know, they, they might take for granted. Being a mom, I think we are, I, I mean, like for moms that are around my age, I think we, we're, maybe it happens all 21. the time. 21. Um, I think we're so worried about not losing ourselves that we're missing the moment in itself um or like we're we have the mom guilt we're thinking about whether or not we're raising good kids um we're trying to heal everything that we've been taught and try to like fix that but not be too overbearing and so we miss out on just living in the moment with our children sometimes and how long have you been a brand strategist Oof, all my life. All your life? All my life. So when you were small, were you like the type of person that you, you would like see a commercial or an ad and you're like, oh, it should be this color and they should change this? Oh, I knew logos immediately as a kid. I could tell you all the car. Like I I just knew if I saw a symbol, I knew the logo immediately where it was, what it represented, who it was from. It, it was the only thing that I was really good at, like memory wise and creating little logos i was doing that like before it was, i knew what it was so some of the things that you help people with businesses are are obviously with logo but what else encompasses the that title of brand strategist what for those that might not know what is that what is a brand strategist so pretty much I, even for me it's like an evolution because to me like what makes me different from any other brand strategist or anyone working in branding is that i am very people driven and so i try to dissect the the human part of of whether it's a business or like a person who's reaching out to me to me i like to dig into the story first and that is a little bit like therapy because you got to see the points where maybe this person isn't willing to like go. So it's like, are they like nervous to like showcase who they are? Is that what you mean? Yeah, typically the like, well, I preferably like to work with women. I don't know. I found like that I've combined my purpose in life with my passion. And so I love to work with women and help them find those things that make them weird or different or unique and use them for their advantage to stand out in their industries. Branding is like a very, it can mean so many things, but for the most part to me, is storytelling finding the parts of you that people can connect to mm -hmm. it's the essence of the brand and giving it a human aspect to it why should people do branding on social media branding for me i think people should do it people should do it even if they don't have social media because it's really knowing who you are it's getting to know your history getting to know your values your mission what you believe what you want to leave as a legacy it's all of that and once you figure that out you don't budge you don't follow what your industry norms are anymore you start to become yourself and i feel like that's what stands out from everybody else well let me let me take it back can you tell me a little bit about where you grew up and you know just about like your upbringing are you originally from the valley originally no i'm proudly conceived in mexico <laughs> <laughs> what part um, what part guanajuato 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 um very very proudly a first generation american um my roots go deep <laughs> in Mexico. But so I am originally from North Texas and we moved here around eight years old and it was culture shock. Like yeah. I really was used to being around people who either spoke Spanish or they didn't. And in the Valley, it was really just like a crisis of identity, I would say. Like it was 
it was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, I would meet people that to me looked like they could speak Spanish that didn't speak a lick of Spanish. Uh-huh. Um, and so that was a little bit of the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So have you mostly helped women you mentioned? Yes. So has that been, have you, were you closer to your mom? Uh, like closer, how? Like, did you just like hang out with your mom more than you did with your dad or, or what? Why do you Why feel women? like you're more, I guess, called to help women in business? Um, for- Obviously other than you being a woman. There's some connection there. Um, So for me, it started back when I was in my late teens. Um, Growing up a pastor's kid, especially in like, I don't want to say majorly machismo environment, but with our culture, there'd be a tad bit of that, right? And um, growing up Southern Baptist, there was a little bit more to that element of women had their place. And... I didn't fit that the bill, you know, I was a little bit more like, but why? <laughs> um, I questioned everything. And thankfully, my dad and my mom allowed that to an extent to ask and question things. And so for me, it started there. It really was seeing these hermanas at church um, come in every Sunday, every Wednesday and just be like really like properly done and and just kind of with their little judgy eyes, give you like, hola, hermana, como estas? <laughs> and it was very, just check, I've been to church, let's go. And since I was a pastor's kid, I got a lot of little scrutiny sometimes because yeah. it was like, ah, la hija del pastor was at the dance and she uh-huh. was dancing and I don't know. <laughs> and so I started to want to understand their perspectives a little bit better. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to get that. And so from there, I started a woman's ministry, but it wasn't like the woman's ministry that it was like the chismosas of the church, you yeah, know? Yeah. It was a place where women could come together and share their stories. And what I noticed is that everybody was going through the same things. Everybody was dealing with the same things. And so to me, that was the aha moment in my life that I knew God had called me to that. So you're like in your teens. Now I'm 27. No, when that happened. Oh, yeah, that was in my teens. I was leading women, like older women at that time. I'd always been like, I don't know. So I was uniting them, bringing them and telling their stories and finding the connections with each other. And so... I knew that was it. Like, I didn't know how I was going to do it, but that was going to be what I was going to do for the rest of my life. Um, And like I said, I've been doing branding since I was a child. It's been a part of me. And so um, going into adult world and finding the career that I wanted to do, it just made sense for me. It was a space where I get to sit with a business owner and they can take off the... Hola, hermana. Like the, the that mask yeah. of that overly, um, like kind of like this, I don't know, this professional mask, right? Of this is how it's supposed to be, and yeah. um, I'm, I love like that the process. First layer, the yes. first layer of the onion. Yeah, because the story doesn't get good until you get deeper into the <laughs> layers. Like I needed a little bit more, and I don't know. I've always had that ability, like. My, my siblings would make fun of me because we would go anywhere. We would be at a gas station or something. And I'd be speaking to someone and found out like their wife died a year ago. Or oh. like, it was always like people just wanted to tell me their life story. Yeah, yeah. Um, my name means listener. So really? it just, I took that very seriously. So then you're the one normally asking the questions then. Yes, it's so weird. Oh my gosh! So then, this is an interesting, <laughs> awkward, an interesting <laughs> it's very awkward. Yeah. Uh, but what do you what do you think about uh, people opening up and and is, is that something that comes easy to you because of your situation when you were the pastor's um, daughter, or or why do you think that that talent of yours exists? Of how I can get a story yeah, out, like unfolding up, up, a, sto- yeah, a story. Exactly. I think people need to feel seen. A lot of the times they don't feel that if they share this part of themselves that they've like 
probably kept hidden or feel like it's an inconvenience to someone or it's just like it doesn't need to be taken into this I don't need to bring it up again like they don't want to deal with that when I start to kind of pick up on the patterns of like oh this person probably has dealt with something and I can pick up the little ways they do what they do and I know exactly at that point what it is that's going on and I've gone through stuff in my life so I have this thing that I tell people the way that you open the door to someone telling you their story is by you telling them the, your story it's like opening the door you open by being vulnerable yourself you have to give to get yes oh wow hey yeah. thanks for the tip no I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> um and one of the things that i wanted to ask you how was it that you guys started uh, actually getting clients was that easy for you or did people um uh, i guess were they like hey i like your logos that you're drawing or whatever like how did that happen for you yeah i think I went into what I was doing um, very naturally. I didn't know what I was going to do exactly. I knew who I wanted to serve, and that's all that mattered to me. I knew Woman. that women who were starting businesses. And the thing that I'm going to add to that because of the what I realized as a kid growing up and being around the woman and helping them sh uh, like open up and share their stories with each other it was that, no, you're not just a mom. No, you're not just a hermana or you're not just the lady who has to bring the tortillas to your husband. You're so much more capable than that. And I think um, at least in the woman that I was around, they didn't get to see that. They didn't get to see their worth. And so I think that's that's been pretty natural for me. Um, so when I hear like a, a need, I have this like thing that I just, I have to do something about it. And so if I saw like someone does really good salsa or something, I'm like, you need to sell that and yeah, you, yeah. and I'm going to help you. You're going to have a logo. And I just knew to connect those things. You're going to talk to this person and you're going to do that. And it's started because I was so willing to do that as a service. I was doing yeah. it as my ministry. And so it's, it was just easy. It's easy to do something that you... It came natural. It did. Don't want to be boastful or anything. <laughs> I'm just that good. I mean, no, no. Can you tell me about the name of your agency? Chinguetasa. This is a long story, Carlos. Tell me. <sighs> okay. So, um, I did a, like a little discovery call or whatever where I was also doing what I do for my clients to help them unfold like their story and the thing that I kept picking up was this like like the way that I want to approach people or when they are around me was a lot like when I was at church where uh -huh. it was a lot of hospitality we're making coffee we're have conchas you know it was all of that feeling um of hospitality and it made me think of my grandma what like I have two grandmas and they're both Maria like so the Maria Maria no um so the reason I started Maria Maria was because um I really wanted to give people the experience of hospitality like when you walked into my space uh -huh. you felt at home that you were talking to your grandma uh -huh. right and uh both my grandmas are Marias and with the bun and the bun. Yeah, you had to have the cafe and the concha. And um, one of them had a molino, right? And yeah. she would ha gather all the women in the rancho. This molino with the The molino corn. where you do the corn thing. And so every morning, the crack of dawn, you could smell the maize. Oh, um, and she, yeah, she, she would have all the women bring their corn wow. or their maize. Yeah, yeah. And she would do that for them so that they had something to feed their their families. families with and so my grandma had that like if she was always feeding you if there was there was just always something to give she never was cool. never never expressed like i don't have enough right now it was if there was a little bread there was for every everyone uh -huh. and so 
the other grandma was very like, you don't mess with me. You know, well, both of them had that side of them and they were very, um, they, they had this very Mexican, like grandma feeling that feeling that you get. That's what I wanted Maria Maria to feel like. And so, um, that, that was why I named it. They are the ones who inspired everything that I do. Maria Maria. Maria Maria. So tell me, uh, what's it like being in a mixed relationship? <laughs> in a biracial relationship. Um, Sorry. Yes. No, you can say, I say mixed as well, but just so they understand the vibes a little bit more. Yeah. What is that like? Is that like, do you go like, because um, obviously in the Valley, there's not many diverse people. It's mostly Hispanics, a little bit of white people, a little bit of black people, a little bit of Asian people, but that's it. Yeah. So is is that experience unique or is it like you show him off or what's that like? Yeah, he's my little side trophy. <laughs> uh, no, it, it's actually a very unique experience. And I will say like the last ever since the George Floyd um, murder, everything has kind of shifted for us in a good way. I think it brought a lot of um, positive attention and change that needed to happen because I will tell you before that if they if an if a police officer saw him driving they it was a reason enough to stop him Whoa. so we went through a lot for a long time where I was just like enough is enough um, so when the George Floyd murder happened it hit me really deep um, I kind of spiraled a little bit <laughs> and I went out to the streets and protested I mean, with I mean a lot of people were yeah upset. it was it was Not, good it was I, good upset it was like good anger news yeah and so I went out to the streets and protested which nobody I didn't know anybody in my family who had ever done that and um, they kind of thought I was a little crazy <laughs> and I was a big advocate for just educating people in the valley about this because I knew what we were living and it was sad for people to believe that that wasn't real here like bro there's not even that many black people like how could you say there's racism here I'm like that we experienced the most racism here and we've been to southern states um, so it's a very unique experience, but I wouldn't change it for anything in the world. Um, it has helped me just see, I'm a lover of understanding perspectives and it's just another thing that I get to live and experience. Um, I love it. Has he ever uh, dated a Latina before, before he met you? I think or I was the, the first? first one. Yeah, wow. I think I was the first Latina. So he's got, now he's pure, <laughs> now apparently he's Mexican. So <laughs> he'll go to Burger King. I always make fun of him because he'll go to Burger King and he'll be like, me puede dar un numero uno con uh, this y eso y eso. And I'm like, bro, he speak English here. <laughs> like it's Burger King. <laughs> uh, so... Yeah, he considers himself Mexican. He loves when he's in town. He's always at the pulga. Like, he's just uh, a Mexican now. He's more Mexican than me. Does he um, ever, like, help you in some of your, like, uh, projects that involve brand strategy or anything like that? Do you, do you like, ask feedback from him or anything like that? I He's my biggest cheerleader. So, like, I grew up in a space where maybe, like, the woman wasn't really expected to find a career and pursue more than just being a mom and being a wife. Um, and he's really helped me see a lot of that potential and break down a lot of that conditioning that was there. Um, Cause he's like, girl, like you're too good not to be out there. Um, and so even before this, he was on the call and he was like, you gotta tell him everything. You gotta tell him everything that you are. like." He just is my biggest cheerleader. So how did you meet? Mm. How did that happen? <laughs> my did version you, or his version? Did you go up to him? Did he go up to you? Uh, my face again. <laughs> um, I met my husband. It's super weird. So I'm going to share it with detail. Are you Please, okay with that? Of course. Okay. 
So when I was in college here, I was here at UTRGV. Like two years ago? Like a year ago. <laughs> 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 um, when I was in the university here at UTRG, UTPA. Yeah. Um, they call it the legacy program now. What? Yeah, they, they don't even mention the name. Really? <laughs> yeah, they were, they're like... Haters. Be, they're like uh, back in our legacy days. Okay, well, back in the legacy days, um, I was here. I was a very involved student. I was like on top of the world. Um, I was co-president of PRSSA. I was, I, was, I was in it. And so in that, I developed... A stalker. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Da, da, da. Your husband. <laughs> it was my husband. <laughs> no, um, yeah, there was someone who like caused some problems and I was too terrified to stay. And I was like, I'm gonna go to nowhere land and I'm gonna change my name. I was so scared. They had kicked him out of school and they were like saying like, you need to carry his picture and show your family members. We can't protect you. So you need to go to the police. And I was just like, huh, me, little me, like no way. And so I was too scared. I had agoraphobia for three months. Do you know what? Agoraphobia? Yes, agoraphobia is when you're too scared to leave your house. Like, there's so much anxiety, you can't even walk to the mailbox. Never heard of that. It's just people who can't leave their house. Mm. It's an extreme fear to leave your house. So for three months, I was in my house, and I said, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And uh, my brother was going to West Texas, which that's perfectly nowhere land. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, nobody knows where that's at. Like El Paso or like? <laughs> no, it was uh, San Angelo, Texas. Right? So I end up there and he was also having a hard, some hardship in the previous university that he was at. When, and you, when you say he, you mean? My husband, sorry. Okay. Good, good thinking. Yes. Yeah, so my husband was all at my, we weren't, como se dice eso? We were both in hardships. Yes, we were Two both going through place. like this really hard space. I was in public relations and that was the route I was going to take. And he was like doing basketball. That's what he was doing. And so we both end up in the same place. I wanted nothing to do with what had happened. Like I was a runner. Uh, I wanted nothing to do with what had happened. So I changed my degree completely and I got put into the social work program. He was also in the social work program. And so my first class at that university was like with him. Like was he sitting next to you or how did that happen? So like I'm sitting there early as always because that's what I do. <laughs> I um, was sitting there. I saw these two basketball players walk in. You could tell because they were fully geared up and really tall. And I'm, I could see them with the peripheral because I also played basketball. So I was like, I could see the peripheral. I, I knew what the peripheral, <laughs> like. <laughs> um, you played basketball? Yes, that was my life. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and so, like, I see him come in, and he's, like, real dorky coming in, and he glances at me, and he's like, like, you know, like the, the movie from, uh, what is it? For, Doom! And I he didn't... He actually says that? Yes. He said that? Messed up. He messed up big time. Because I was like, oh, no, you didn't. And he asked me for my name that first day, and I said, you won't need it. And I walked away. I didn't like he was cons like he's like consistently bothering me of like get wanting to get to know me. And I was just like, you're never going to need it. You're not going to talk. You're not going to get me. Me? <laughs> no. Um, but what did you think of him initially? Initially, I got like, ooh, and then he did that. And I was like, oh, no, yeah, I didn't like that. I wasn't that girl. And so. He loved that I wasn't that girl. And he, like, the friend he walked in with is one of our best friends. And they tell, still tell the story that when he walked in, he said, that, that's going to be my girl. When, when they walked in, the friend and my husband, um, who is now still in our lives, 
they still tell the story of that day when he first saw me. And my husband said that that's going to be my girl. Oh, so your husband said that? Yeah, he knew immediately. Wow. Immediately. Like he didn't want to get to know me. Immediately, as soon as he met me, he was like, be my girl. Wow. Yeah. Is he a salesman? No. That's. No, he's a horrible salesman. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. And then when, when did you finally fold and you're like, okay, you can get to know me? Well, okay, because I'm a sucker for stories. Um, all I saw was that exterior, like that, like he was the best athlete in, in the school at the time. And I didn't like, I was the girl next door type and he was the jock, right? And I didn't like the idea that he might think that it was easy to get me. And so um, he would try, try, try. And finally, one of my friends was like talking to him and I'm still in the same space, but she was asking him why he was doing social work. And he starts to express like his story. And I was like, mushy. I was like, so they were like talking next to you or what? Yes, they were like here talking and he, she's like, so hey, Ridge, why are you doing social work? What are you like? Why are you doing that? So your friend liked him? She was just, she knew he liked me and she, I was mean. I've never been really mean to anybody. There was like this, there was something there like immediately like this chemistry, but I was taking it as like, I hate you. <laughs> and I had never done that before, but yeah. it was... It was definitely immediate chemistry. Oh, and then they were talking and... Yeah, they were talking and she knew that I wasn't going to talk to him. And it was like that awkward. He was in our space and she's like, let me be the nice one and start small talk with him. And so she's like, what are you studying? He's like social work and psychology. And um, he, he, she asked him why. And the story he said, I was just like, okay, you can have me. <laughs> Fine. Wow. Yeah. Hey, so it's a good storyteller. <laughs> yeah. Real good storyteller. Um, so then when did you decide to, I guess, move to the valley with him and start a family? Or were you over there in North Texas or where was it? In the middle of nowhere? Um, yeah. So we were in West Texas and I finally said, all right. I'll be your girl. But he only had two weeks to stay there in in that city. He was leaving to Spain. Ooh. Yeah, so he got a contract to go play in Spain, and he, he went out there. But within those two weeks, we were inseparable. It was, like, immediate, I don't know. Whenever he, like, um, gave me the kiss to say goodbye, he said, I'm going to give you this kiss. And it's going to mean something, but don't ask what it means until I get over there. And he gives me three kisses. And I was like, as he was giving me the kiss, it was, I love you. In two weeks, in my head, I was like, I love you. And so when I, he got, he didn't even get there. He was already at the airport finding a computer to call me, missing his flights, just to talk to me. And um, yeah, it ended up being, I love you. Oh. Yeah. So then we, our relationship was on Zoom. <laughs> or what was it? Skype. <laughs> it was a Zoom. Uh, our relationship was on Skype and he flew me over there within five months and we got engaged on wow. uh, at a basketball game. So was that less than six months in total? A hundred percent. Wow. It was five months. I like counted the time. Damn. Yeah. We knew immediately. There was no questioning it. Or, I mean, I should say, damn. Damn. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's been 11 years now. Married. Like, how, how did that happen before? Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Backtrack. When he said damn, was it like people were like coming into the class and you were just like sitting there? Me in my face. <laughs> like remembering the moment. <laughs> yeah, it was like when you're walking into class, it's like people were already there because the thing with him was like, I felt like this bit of arrogance coming from him. It was, he was this athlete. He was the best athlete. And yeah. so he had teachers wrapped around his finger and like he was the type, and this is what just drove me crazy that we would be in class 
And it, we would be, the class needed like 15 minutes to finish. And then all of a sudden, there goes Rich walking into the class. He would go through the middle of the aisle and the, the professors over here teaching. He'd cross the professor, go to the, the, back in the day we would write our names on a sheet to like say that we were there. Yeah. And he'd walk out. That was him signing in to be in the class. Wow. And I'm like, the audacity of this man. I hate it. <laughs> and so I never knew that there was like agreements there with the teachers. He spent time with the teachers. Ah, he spent a lot of time. With, <laughs> <laughs> he, he was an athlete, so he got a lot of help on the side. Wow, that's awesome. So, yeah. and then how was Spain? It was beautiful. It was, um, it was, um, uh, at that time it was Melia. Melia is on the African continent and it is surrounded by Morocco. Oh, oh yes. yeah. It's like a little point. Yes. Little city. Yes. So he was so there. He lived, yeah. His, like when he, his, his apartment where he lived, the condo and like downstairs there was a cafe and across the street was the, the Mediterranean. Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. It was beautiful. Is that where he proposed? He proposed at his game, the first game I ever watched. So I, everybody freaks out, even he freaks out that I never went to watch him play. <laughs> well, I mean, I, no. <laughs> yeah. So how does he like the valley? He loves the valley. He loves the valley a lot. Um, he's just grown to love it. I mean, obviously, I think when you've dealt with racism all your life, um, some point you learn to look at the good things in certain spaces so even though it's inevitably here sometimes this is still like what he considers like home for him yeah and is most of his family somewhere else yeah he's from virginia oh wow yeah they're all over there you're his family now i'm his family you can't leave me ever. <laughs> 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 um uh, what did you think of that painting of the cats? <laughs> that was my favorite painting. <laughs> she doesn't know, but we're taking it. You're paying for it. <laughs> I am taking all three of them. No, I love, I love it. Yeah, it's I really loved awesome. it. I know it's like simple, but I feel like it's saying a lot. It's simple, but it's not simple. It's simple, but it's not simple. Exactly. It has a strong message. I love that. They all do. So <clears throat> obviously we live in the valley. Yeah. And there's obviously this saying that goes around that people say, Puro 956. Uh-huh. What does that mean to you? Puro 956? Yeah. Well, before it was like, ha ha, funny. <laughs> like, that was hilarious, Puro 956. But I think there's this pride there. I mean, um, the fact that people are starting to find an identity, and even if it's a 956, that's good, you know? I think... I've mentioned this before that when I got here, you could tell there was a real struggle with identity for people here. The people like who didn't want to be associated with Mexican and the people who just like, there was a strong um, connection to, to what wasn't 956 or wasn't Mexican. I, I, I don't know how to explain. Like they were, they were like more trying to get away from the Mexican image. Like, a, do I say it to you? Because it's like white culture. Well, American, um, they were being, um, what is it? Like. Whitewashed? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and no, it's just Americanized. Americanized. Yeah. And like, we're a little bit less accepting of cultures or yeah. different, um, outside I don't know I don't know how to explain this but I could tell right away there was a disconnection with the roots of where they came from there was no real understanding of their yeah. history because if they had understood their history I wouldn't have been dealing with kids saying they were too embarrassed to speak Spanish like no way you'd be so proud um, so I think it's because they used to have uh, a rule where you weren't supposed to speak Spanish. Yeah. So the parents and grandparents, the grandparents told the parents to speak only English, and then that kind of like got transferred 
down to, oh, to I nourish. see. I see. Yeah, no, I I mean, I grew up in one of the most racist cities in which one, which one? towns in, in Sherman, Texas. Sherman? Sherman, Texas. Sherman, Texas. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think it was very, I mean, that was a big reason why we moved here. Um, it was just everywhere. Our doctors were racist, everything, really? our dentists. Yeah. And so my, I mean, I got hit at school for speaking Spanish and I'm a millennial. What? Yeah. Yeah. So that was, I was, That's crazy. I was someone who spe spoke fluent Spanish. Yeah. It wasn't until I got here that that was kind of not practiced anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, people didn't, they didn't feel the same pride. Wow. Well, I actually remember one time where I experienced racism down here where it was in high school where it was like, uh, you know, like where you go and try to meet everything, like all the clubs before school started. And I was like in that in the gym where there's like a bunch of boots and then there's like a club here and a club here, the Spanish club. I was in the Spanish oh, okay. club. Oh, I'm thinking clubs, yo. No, like, no, no, I'm no. like, damn, you were a party boy? <laughs> okay. No, I mean like... At the gym? Like the club of the, I don't know. Like yeah, organizations. Organizations whatever. <laughs> yeah, so I remember there was uh, this white uh, girl who came over to our booth and uh, the dad immediately like came to her and was like, no, no, you don't need to learn Spanish. You don't need to learn that. And uh, we were like trying to like, I guess trying to like convince him that it's okay to learn Spanish because you're in the valley or whatever. And then he was just like, no, you don't need to learn that shit. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> something in the something valley. like that. In the valley like, too. It's just, uh, to me, it's like real bold. Yeah. And it's, it's not always a white person yeah especially here in the valley it's like you look more mexican than me and you have the audacity to like be racist that's yeah. crazy to me yeah um yeah no but a lot of that so because i'm married to a black man and because i have biracial babies and because i've learned so much of that like story and also owning my own roots um even though i've always been very proud to be Mexican, even though I wasn't born in Mexico. Um, I've always been extremely, yeah, you should have the flag here. I should be wearing the flag. Um, I, I found that I, I needed to bridge that gap. I needed to be part somehow of educating women. Um, I'm in small groups, right, where I'm talking to my friends and something about like, I soy muy, muy morena or whatever. I'm not the, like something about them being dark. And I mean, I know that's colorism because yeah. that, that's part of what we grew up. You know, no yeah. salgas para fuera, you're going to get dark. Or, ay, que bonito, te bien güerito. You know, like, so, and I, I take that opportunity to like educate. Um, so, like, I'm working on a project. Right. And it's kind of like it makes me think of it because it's all these things that I've had in my life. You know, the uniting of women in their stories. And it's a lot about ownership. Right. It's yeah. uh, owning who you are, what you've been through, what you want in life. It's all that. Um, but also it's owning your roots, owning your your history. Your and story. Yes. Your story. And um, so. I'm trying to bridge that gap um, where women can come, women who feel like outsiders, who don't necessarily um, feel represented by other valley girls or a valley woman, right? Uh, uh, nine, five, six. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you do that pretty well. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I wanted to make a space where women can come and they don't have the excuse that they can't connect or collaborate because um, it's gonna be other women who feel like outsiders too. And uh, it's called Her Cultura. Wow. We gave it a name. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a good name. Yes. And so it'll be in October. We're planning no, for October. No men allowed. No men allowed. Only Carlos. <laughs> Only Carlos is allowed. Her, her Cultura. 
her culture. Yeah, I, well, because I'm telling you, I combine my passion and my purpose. And I feel like if I'm going to be involved, it's just, it is what it is. It it's, is what it is. It is what it is. Well, I'm looking forward to it. And hopefully when this comes out, it's already been yeah, established and people know about it. And, you know, they're looking forward for the third for the third event or fourth event or however many yeah. there, there yeah. are now. Yeah, no, we'll see. October, right? It's coming out. Nice. Yeah. Is there anything that you like to say to the people that are watching you that you want to get off your chest? <laughs> that's on your mind? Listen to me. Wow. <laughs> I've been wanting to talk to you for a second. I feel that's how a rap song starts. Yeah. Listen to this. I'm about track. to drop some beats on you. No, um, what do I want to share? Can you give me a... Oh, yeah, what's your cash app? <laughs> <laughs> the what? What's your cash app? <laughs> I got you. Samantha McKeither. Uh, dollar signs. No, what would I want to leave? I feel like I'm missing something, but um, because of the branding part, I feel like I struggle a lot saying what it is for me because... It's not what everybody believes it is. You know, I'm kind of restructuring this thought of what branding is. Um, when someone sits down with me and gets to get a branding session with me, they leave sometimes crying, you know, or not. They don't leave crying, but they like they experience this like, aha, like, yeah, like, <laughs> I've been beat down. Uh, no, it's just like some of the reasons they choose the direction they, they choose um, or the businesses they choose to do, it's all connected somehow to something in their childhood or something that they've experienced growing up. And so those little things do come up. They, yeah. they do end up coming up and I can find like this connection to that part of their story that it has to be said. You have to share this part because that is the part that just, it just ignites and like connects people and so I don't know I can't ex I can't explain in perfect words what branding is because to me it's this full experience it's this it's a feeling it's a feeling it is it's I know um I don't know who it was who said branding is what people say when they're not when you're not in the room yeah what people are saying when you're not in the room and it really is this knowing, like I said, yeah. knowing really who you are, what you want in life, what legacy you want to leave. And you you just do things with a little bit more purpose. Love it. Yeah. I love that. If people want to get a hold of you for a branding session, is there, obviously, apart from being a woman, is there other requirements? <laughs> You have to have money. <laughs> I'm like, I take cash up. I take cash up. Put away TV. Um, the requirements. Yeah, like, um, no. <laughs> because I, I do know that you, you feel very strong about helping women who are oh, yes. barely starting their business yeah. or they're, they feel like they're, they need to level up. Yeah. Um, so for me, I'm very, I mean, I've told you this before, but I am very values, values driven. And so I have a set of values already in place for the client that I want to take in. When I take in a client, it, they become their, their work, their business becomes all mine. Yeah. And so if I can't believe in what you're doing or why you're doing it or who you're doing it for, I can't help you. They have to audition for you. You have to. You got to do some car wheels, baby. You got to do something. No. Um, do that I, onion. <laughs> let me see that onion. Um, <laughs> be serious. Be for real right now. <sighs> anyway. Requirement number two. Uh, no, so it's it's very values driven. Um, so we first have to align in that. Um, it's I just have to be a believer. Make me a believer. And it's not hard. <laughs> it's not hard to make me a believer. But um, as soon as you do, it's very like art. It's very sculpted 
to your needs. And so there isn't like a service. I do survive. I do provide services like logos and brand yeah. identity. And those are more tangible things that you see. But there is the, oh, you don't feel that good about what you're about to do. Like, or you don't feel that powerful. And there's that like motivational side to it. And, and then there's the, um, man, if I only I knew somebody that did this, there's that connection. And it's just knowing the fullness of their needs and filling in those spaces. I like to think of it as like a map because you're stuck mm -hmm. and you want to get to the next level and you help them see what they had in front of their eyes this whole time, but they've been too busy, you know, being like everyone else being, you know, taking care of their business here, oh, yeah. taking care of their business there that the whole time the answer has been in front of them, but they haven't had someone to facilitate that. Yeah. That clarity. Right. They're so business owners are typically extremely busy figuring out how to perfect their services. And so when you ask them, like, what do you bring to the table? They immediately tell you their services. And with us, it's very different because we don't want to know just your services. We want to know a little bit more that makes people say, yes, those services, because there's many people that do the yeah. same things. Um, and so I think we try to find that different, diff I always get stuck on the word, differentiator. I don't even know why I still attempt to say the word. Because it sounds, it feels good when you say it. <laughs> Differentiator. Differentiator. So there's that, we, we try to find what makes you really unique and one um, nobody else can bring to the table. So let me put a, a scenario in for you real quick. Let's say there's two taco places that are about to open up. One of them actually puts attention to their branding mm -hmm. and the other one doesn't. Can you tell me why branding is so important for, for them and what would be the thing that the other one is, is lacking? Okay, so I like that you put it this way because now we're thinking that branding is just colors and logos because that is true. Like most likely people will be gravitating towards something that is beautiful, right? Or something that's aesthetically pleasing. But that doesn't mean you're going to make all those sales. The different thing that makes like you could have the logo and the beautiful colors and all of that and I can provide you with all of that and it'll be strategically created for you but there has to be more your employees have to be a part of your brand um, the food the way that it's presented has to be part of the brand the way that you're calling on to people you can be a taco stand and waiting on the inside like man I created beautiful stuff nobody's coming well because the other side they're like hey come on in like get in here like you know they're shaking people's hands and they're like I'm gonna bring you a taco so you can try it and so it, it, there has to be this connection of of beautiful aesthetics with this beautiful personality. Love that. Yeah. Love that. Um, is there any question that I left out that you feel is important? I, I don't know. Any shout outs? Shout out to my mom from the 956. Uh, <laughs> shout out to the people who don't believe it. <laughs> shout out to the people who didn't believe in me. Uh, I made it to Cuadro's Corner. <laughs> uh, um, with, with this podcast, um, I'm obviously bringing a spotlight to, to my guest. And one of the questions I want to ask you, is there anyone that comes to mind that you feel could be um, benefited from hearing the, the story, their story? Oh, good question, Carlos. I think. Do you nominate anyone? <laughs> from hearing their story? I thought it was about me. Dang it. 
No, just kidding. Nominating someone who has a good story. Yeah, because oh, you're all about stories. Bro, I, I, I go to the convenience store and I can find a good story. <laughs> the problem is, um, man, there's so many that I feel, uh, they just, every story, like every single human body. Just one. <laughs> I'm sorry, Carlos, bring them all in. <laughs> I feel like every human body, even if you feel like you cannot connect to them, somehow, and I try to say it like this, because kind of like the event that I'm, I'm trying to bring together. Her cultura. Her cultura. It's like the family barbecue without all the awkwardness, right? But like the family barbecue where it's chill and all of that, that once you get that into a person, they start to unfold and really like unravel who they are and everyone can connect to that. Like, I don't know. Wow. So who do I know? <laughs> Me again. <laughs> Let's do this hey, again. You come back. Yeah, anytime. because once anytime. I see it, I'm going to be like, damn, I should have said this. No, um, man, dude, that's a hard question. Oh, no, you don't have to answer it. I would just... Yeah, because you know, I have many, many, dude. I have, like... Jeez, there's a lot. I have a friend, Katya. She's a hairstylist. Oh, yes, I met her. Yes, and she, like... Beautiful baby that she has. Yes. Oh, yeah, you were watching her baby. Taking care of her. Wow, we were busy. And, well, I mean, you see she her... She messing and, with me. Huh? She was messing with me. That baby, she's smart. Oh, oh yeah? Yeah. She, oh, like, she was throwing the... She would, like, throw the thing. Fire. And then I would bring it and be like... And then she would... I would leave, right? Yeah. And then she would want me to come back and she would throw it again. That's hilarious. I was like, oh, she's smart. No, she, they're smart. They're smart, the little turds. <laughs> they're smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, she's awesome. She, um, She is a mom and she, like is really strong on her values as well and she has a lot of integrity and um her perseverance through the recession through starting during covid um and still like even on the times that like were supposed to be tough she managed to tell women's stories so i guess that's why we connect so well because she does something that is really like close to my own heart so uh she's awesome i think anyone who is in any industry that typically is very like you know any industry yeah. where where everybody follows the rules and the lines they got money when they got that money um any industry that you typically see people like that but you see the people that are not following those rules and kind of outside of that um, I know two girls who are lawyers and three, I know more than that, but oh, th uh, that don't fit the bill, you know, that are very outside of. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. And I think they would be amazing also um, to, to share their stories because while the branding and the creatives everybody's weirdos, everybody's creative, you know, like so. We thrive in that, but um, I feel like if you're a lawyer or something, you 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 get a little bit more scrutiny and backlash from being outside of the box. So those stories are enticing. Yes. Um, I want to thank you so much for spending your Wednesday evening here at Cuadros' Corner on today, which is Wednesday, the 23rd of August, 2023. I want to thank you for coming. Um, you look like a million bucks. Yeah, Yvette did this. Uh, yes, she did a great job. <laughs> and um, is there anything else you want to say? Don't keep asking. I just talk. <laughs> just close it off, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God.